Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, you goddamn fantastic people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam, and I am joined this week by the Ginger Princess. Stacey, how are you going? I'm great, thanks, Sam. Super excited to be here. I love how you say that every time. <laughs> yeah, and me too. I wonder if it's ever serious. I wonder if any of them are ever legitimate. I think it used to I be. I wouldn't wonder too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is coming out. And the other person joining me is Liz. How are you going, Liz? Hey, I am good, thank you. I um, couldn't be more excited. To be- no, I can't steal Stacey's answer. <laughs> <laughs> that feels yes, bad. Anyway, guys, the film that we are here to discuss is 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. Came out uh, two years ago in 2019. Had either of you guys seen it? I know you had. No, I hadn't seen it. But this will shock you, Sam, but no, I haven't it won't. seen it. I will, it will not shock me, Liz. <laughs> no, I hadn't seen it. I don't actually tend to um, watch war movies that much uh, generally, so no. Um. That's a shame. That's a shame. We'll get into a little bit more of a discussion on it soon. If you guys aren't planning on watching this film, here's a quick plot for you. Two soldiers are assigned to the task of delivering a critical message to another battalion. They risk their lives for the job in order to prevent them from stepping right into a deadly ambush. Yeah, that's about it. Yep. Do we need to explain that this is in World War One? Yep. <laughs> Set during World War One. <laughs> that probably helps. Yeah, we probably should mention that again, but like, <laughs> this is the thing. Like, I feel like most people have already seen this and that you are going to be listening to guess. this. So. And frankly, you could probably work it out from the title of the film. Yeah, if you can remember what the title of the film is. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> right, literally Stace? two seconds before we started recording, Stacey goes, what's the name of this movie again? I was like, 1912, 1914. No, that's not right. <laughs> well, you know, it's five or so years it could be because yeah, exactly. it's World War One. So therefore you're like, oh, it's one of those. Yeah. Exactly. Now, looking at the reviews for this film, 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 78% on Metacritic. So those are some pretty, pretty damn high scores. Even Metacritic, which is usually which usually slumps a little bit, is actually quite high. But uh, enough from that. I want to see what these guys think, given that uh, you guys have kept your cards very close to your chest and haven't told me anything about how you feel about this film. I'm really looking forward to this. So we'll get into our questions. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move into three personal questions before finishing on a Patreon question or a listener question. And this week, it's a Patreon question. The one we always start with, the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film. Unless we hate it, then we give it one thing bad, one thing good, and one thing bad. Stacey, why don't you lead us off? And then give us a score out of 10,000 photos. Okay. I think that the first good thing is that the story was engaging um like much like Liz I don't tend to watch war movies that much but this seemed like a really personal story in amongst the setting of a war which was really yeah intriguing it was hard for me to think of a bad thing actually so my bad thing is I just think it sucks that Blake had to die (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was bad. Oh. That, w- that was really sad. It was. Mm. And the final good thing is that it was very beautiful to watch. Very good cinematography. Yeah, shit, yeah. Roger Deakins is like the cinematographer for this. Top of his game. Fucking amazing. Won an Oscar for it. Spoiler alert for a later question of Liz's. <laughs> As a score out of 10,000 photographs? 9,000. 9,000? Yeah. Wow. 9,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to beat that, especially not old, slightly negative than the rest of us, Liz. But you're up, Liz. What do you got? I'm not allowed to be negative. If I want, I think I bring a nice <laughs> dose of realism and cynicism and just general anger and disappointment <laughs> and loathing. And anyway, I think you need so, to talk to um, someone, Liz. So I will start out with a compliment that um, I felt it had a relatively simple storyline, which was quite nice. Like a lot of war films that I have seen quite often can get quite complex or convoluted and it's hard to sort of follow all the stuff that's going on. This was pretty straightforward, which I liked. The next thing is a bad thing. Like Stacey, though, I did actually find it quite hard to find um, something bad about this film. But really, it was just like the, all the bodies, they were like furniture, like they were just this... Nothing disposable thing. But on the flip side, that was kind of a good thing in a way because it meant that it was easier to watch. Like, there were so many dead people in this film and I feel like that could have been really awful. The way they just kind of dehumanised them all, it was kind of like, well, well, now I can sort of cope with it. I I love this, listeners. If you're tuning in for a hot movie critique, first up, somebody died. Second up, a whole bunch of people died. Oh my God, it's like we watched a fucking war film, guys. Do you want my opinions or not? Of course I do. I'm just finding it cute. I'm finding it hilarious. (laughs) There was just a lot. They didn't, like, you could have done it without them. For instance, like, Mm. the German bunkers didn't really have any. So I'm just saying there was a lot of dead bodies. Yes. And it was sad. You made me watch this. Let the bodies Um, hit the floor. That's actually the the song I've chosen. No. Um, (laughs) And then my final good thing was that I liked, like, the mirroring and the sort of patterns and stuff. So, like, trees at the start and end of the film. And I like that they had famous cameos at the start and the end. And there was just quite a lot of callbacks and things like that, which I thought was quite nice. Like, oh, like the milk with the baby and that kind of stuff. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I really liked all this. The symmetry, that's the word I want. Um, And so I'm going to give this... A score of 8,282 photos of loved ones. Nice. That's a high school for Liz. High yeah. school for Liz. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If this was a pizza, it would be a vegetable pizza. <laughs> Bringing up scrapped questions, are you, Liz? Good on you. <laughs> anyway. That's fine. What about you, Sam? Uh, on Wax Lyrical. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go nuts. The pacing, first of all, the pacing. The pacing of this film basically just grabs you, draws you in, and doesn't let up. You know, from start to finish, it's just constantly dropping action scenes in at appropriate times as well as like giving you sort of moments to pause and catch your breath you know like there's this parts where you're just like you know like they're having like the two main leads are having heart-to-heart moments or you know talking about back home and all that sort of stuff when he meets Schofield meets the French girl like there's these sort of small moments of like fucking reprieve but then the rest of the time it's like holy shit and for a single shot film like to actually have these intense massive over-the-top action scenes in them is absolutely mind-blowing at the same time that then becomes the bad thing for someone like me because i'm watching this film and i know that it's been edited and i know they shot it over like the series of weeks it wasn't just one continuous shot i'm constantly looking for where they've edited it like where Mm. they've spliced the scenes together and there's very obvious transitions in some of them like when they're walking for a crowd and one single soldier walks right in front of the camera or, you know, when there's like a um, a post or something like that and you can see where they've sliced them together because sometimes the actor's walking behind it but he comes out at a really weird, obtuse angle and you think, oh, it's a bit weird. So it sort of takes you out of it. And then, Yeah, I didn't notice any transitions like that. I honestly thought it might have just been done all at once. Like I was mm. like, did they just practice this over and over and over until they get it right? <laughs> Honestly, like I yeah. could have bought that because it didn't. I didn't see any of the transitions. Wow. Final good thing: emotional feels. It's very rare that I watch a movie nowadays, and I actually get so invested that I'm like 
feeling sad or happy or all that sort of stuff. It's too much now of watching this film and going, hey, what quote would be the worst thing to hear after sex? Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. fucking annoying. This film, though, Jesus, roller coaster of emotions. Absolute roller coaster of emotions. And I loved it for it. And that's why I'm giving this a score of 9,647 out of 10,000. Wow. I was so close to a hyperbole sandwich and legitimately only could come up with one bad thing. And I thought to myself, shit. But that's not a yeah, bad thing. It wasn't a lot of bad things. It's There's a, not. It's hard to fault this film. But mm. your bad thing isn't even a bad thing about the film. It's about your ability to watch a film. Yes, it's about <laughs> my own mental deficiency. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for laying and to bear my all my thing, stupidity. My bad thing was about war, not about <laughs> exactly, movies. <laughs> exactly. Your guy's bad thing was people died. Yeah, mine was about the but story writing. specific death was, yeah. you know, that, yeah. But... If he'd lived, so shut up. if these two had gone through everything they went through and both had lived, you'd be like, oh. Like, I feel like it added, it added weight to the film. Like, one of them had oh, to die shocking. in order for you to go, okay, this is believable. Yeah. Mm, I don't agree with that. I felt like it was very shocking, Blake dying. Like, I didn't expect it, especially in that way. And so I felt like that was, it was good for, like, just, holy shit, like, it just turned everything on its head and went, oh, no, they're really going there. So... I liked it for that reason, even though I hated it, if that makes sense. Yeah, same. Yeah. That, like, that's how I felt during the movie was it just like the first time I watched it. It just drew me straight in of like, holy shit. I think he could have been wounded and can, carried on. Like it would have yeah, made their trip. gut injuries like last ages, like take ages yeah. to kill you. And also, why didn't he just try and cauterize it? Because there was flame there. You could have like heated up a Ooh. knife and cauterized it, couldn't you? I, I think like cauterizing might work on... Almost surface level mm, stabs. He, would have still he been stabbed him probably through his spine. Basically, it was pretty deep. No, oh, yeah, maybe I hadn't thought of like getting to his spine. I figured like it'd just be enough to get him to, well, to make him last until those people turned up two minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was frustrating. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Thanks for raising that, Liz. Just like, a hey, bro. Like, how are you? Yeah, when yeah. I saw that, I was like, "What? Those guys were just around the corner. They probably heard yeah. these guys." The vehicle and stuff. Yeah. They did say that they saw the plane, like the smoke from the plane, and that's what drew them there. Yeah. God, yeah, timing. Guess, anyway. Still... Anyway. Anyway. Anywho, that moves us over to our Patreon questions. First up is our man, Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon as well at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. There's a link down in the show notes. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content, like uh, essays on Medium, video essays, you know, YouTube recommendations, all that sort of good stuff. Anyway, what's this question, Stacey? It is, what two characters would you want with you at a house party? This is going to be one depressing fucking house party, isn't it? <laughs> no way. I've got a fun answer. Well, mm-hmm. I'd find it fun. I'm getting both Blake brothers because <laughs> the older one was hot and I would totally tap that, no question. <laughs> and the, the younger one, he seemed funny, spun a good yarn. I reckon it'd be a good laugh to have at a party. I was about, oh, really? Yeah. Or like a weekend at Bernie's type situation? No, pre-movie <laughs> invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't invite his corpse. No. no. Weekend at Blakey's. Sounds fun. <laughs> what about you, Sam? I'm laughing, but I, I had him as well. <laughs> See? What you like, met him before. It's, it's quite funny because it's Tom and like, Lannister out of Game of Thrones, and then it's Rob Stark out of Game of Thrones as like, the two brothers. Oh, thought, my God. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I thought that was quite hilarious. It was Tommen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't recognise him because he wasn't blonde. Top so I was quality like, podcasting. <laughs> his face seemed really familiar, and I was going to look it up, but I forgot to. 
Yeah, yeah of course it was Tommen. And it was Rob Stark, because I didn't think Rob Stark was that hot when I watched the show, but he was definitely hot in this. Yeah. Liz is going to go back and have some retroactive wanks over Game of Thrones now. Oh, gross. Uh, <laughs> unnecessary. <Damn. laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had the younger Blake brother because he's always telling stories, and that's sort of what you want. Yeah. And then I wanted Mark Strong because I like a bald man. You know, we we stick together, we help each other. <laughs> oh, but but the thing about Mark Strong is he's like a real like GC. Like he just shows up there. Um, that's good C word for our foreign listeners. I just realised GC is a very New Zealand term, and most people don't know what it means. And we call each other GCs to say they're a real good C word, implying that they're a real see you awesome term. Yeah, yeah, good C next year. So yeah, I mean he he's legit. Like he's a bit stoic. He's like quite helpful and supportive and all that sort of stuff. Like, I feel like he'd be good value at a house party in terms of just. Making sure everyone's having a good time and, you know, looking after everyone. What about you, Stace? I'm just going with Blake and Schofield because they're the two main characters and they seem really like nice guys. <laughs> I feel like you'd want Schofield pre this movie, though, rather yeah. than post because post he's yeah. pretty dejected. Yeah. yeah. It would be funny to be just sitting around like having a yarn and be like, oh, fuck, man, had a worst day at work this week. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, you had a bad day. Fuck, do you want to hear about my story? <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. But a post movie, you'd be celebrating that he made it. He did his mission and he saved yeah. some lives. Like, it wasn't, yeah, he wasn't on time to save everyone, but. Very touching, too, that yeah. it ended on him looking at that photograph of Come Back to Me. I was like, yeah, that wow. Was yeah. yeah. Little uh, bit of trivia. The My phone lit up with a Shazam when I was watching that, and the name of the instrumental that played at that time was called Come Back to Me. Wow. Oh, yeah. nice. So I thought that was really cute, actually. Movie yeah. trivia from Liz. Unintentional. <laughs> no research on her own behalf. Her phone did it for her. <laughs> hey, I occasionally have some good snippets, so fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, occasionally. If the good snippet Not is how twice. hot Tom Hardy is, then yes, you do uh, do deliver a spades <laughs> he on really that. Really is. I'm really good at identifying who the hot dudes are in a movie. Like That's great. that is a strong superpower of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Captain okay. Ejectify. Should we get on to question three, guys? <laughs> yes, question three. What is it, Liz? <laughs> All right, uh, question three is: A la Sixth Sense, what character could have been dead the whole time and no one knew? Got a couple of ideas for this. The one that came to mind was the German soldier that Schofield encounters after he comes out of the tower who chases him up the street shooting at him. Oh, yeah, nice. And the reason why I went with that is because this the soldier doesn't interact with anyone else, and yet when Schofield gets underground and is hanging out with uh, the French girl, when he goes to leave the building, there's not an army of German troops running up and down trying to find him. So it's like the German soldier chased this dude and then just gave up. Didn't bother going and telling anyone about it, warning anyone. So I was like, like maybe it's a hallucination and a ghost or something like that that scared the crap out of him and made him get to that point where he needed to be. Maybe it's the baby's dad or the baby's mother has like scared him into being there so he can help support the child. Whoa. Maybe. That's it's deep. That's deep. He's got the milk. The baby needs the milk. <laughs> it's going to last that baby a real long time. Yeah. Yeah. Curdles <laughs> overnight. But... fucking <laughs> flask, but still better than nothing. What about you, Stace? Mine's a bit different. It's not a la six cents, but Colonel McKenzie. So the guy who's... <laughs> what suppo- the fuck? <laughs> Give her a second. Hey, the guy who... Prematurely they, laughed. I'm sorry. Maybe some- laughed very soon. <laughs> the guy who they're supposed to be delivering the message to. What if he was dead already? And the way that the military ranks and whatnot work is like... He, it's almost like he couldn't give the message to anyone else. 
Yeah. So if he no, had got there yeah. and Mackenzie was dead, they would have been completely screwed because he would have said, I've got a letter for Colonel Mackenzie. Oh, well, Colonel Mackenzie's dead. Too bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Return to sender. You need to turn around and go back dead. again. <laughs> and he was probably dead because the whole mission had, like, yeah. Blown you up. know, they'd done yeah. the whole attack. And yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> nice. Quite interesting um, um, you pointing that out is like how. He goes up to that captain guy and he's like, I've got a message. And the captain guy's just freaking out, you know, in the yeah. trench. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome filmmaking because you're so used to like stoic badasses. Yeah. Just being like, oh, I'll oh, fucking die. Rah, rah. And like yeah. to have that in there was just oh, yeah, real so people. good. Such a good film. I was thinking it'd be kind of cool if Tom Blake like was dead. I don't know how you do it because he talked to him at the start, but. Like Schofield was sent on the message because he was cracking up after Tom's death and they knew he'd do anything to save Tom's brother. So he kind mm. of imagined him walking along with him and then that was him giving up when the German fighter pilot like stabbed him or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but if I was going to go one that would work a bit better, uh, in the same theme of Sam's, it would be when he's had a donk on the head, he probably has concussion, and he um, has that guy – who yells and he like puts his hand over his mouth. Cause I was like, why are you even trusting this guy? Like, why are you even taking yeah. your hand off this mouth after you've just learned that Germans will fuck you over? Mm. So yeah, that maybe that was completely mm. imagined that same kind of thing. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Moves us over to our next Patreon question. Comes courtesy of Dan Brennick of Netflix and Swill, a podcast that covers all things Netflix related reviews, uh, trailers, or like news, everything. Everything you ever need to know about Netflix, go over and check them out. They're awesome dudes. Dan's question, who is the true MVP of this film? And it can't be the main character. So sort of got to read it, rule out Schofield, rule out Blake, maybe? Those are, yeah. probably, those are the two leads, really. That's a shame because, yeah, obviously the answer would be Schofield if you could answer him. Or Blake. But, um, Blake saves him. And we know when shit starts coming well, down on true. top of him. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, your country's other of those. I'm going to say Colin Firth coming up with like an answer to try and solve the problem of this attack that he knows isn't going to work and he can't call them or whatever. And he's just like, right, I've got to make a hard decision here. Mm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. If he didn't send them, then all those men more would have died. So, mm. Good point. What about you, Sirs? Yeah, okay. So when Schofield reaches the um, dudes in the second wave and they're all sitting in the forest listening to a song while before, waiting to go out, um, and he kind of looks like he's just totally lost the plot, completely run out of energy and got no, you know, no hope of getting this message across. And he's mm. so, so close. And then one of the soldiers turns around to, to, and says, ask him, are you all right? Um, and then kind of they carry him and push him on his way to get the message where where it needs to go. Without that guy, he could have just fallen asleep or, or passed out on the spot <laughs> and just fallen short so close to the end. That's a good point because yeah. he does look like he's just about to give up, really, eh? Well, not, not like he's given up. It's yeah, like he hasn't com- voluntarily given up. He's just fucking done. Physically. Shell-shocked. Yeah. Completely exhausted. Mm. I mean, he's been shot, actually, almost drowned. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if at that point he'd like – they they could have actually had him die at that point or whatever, and then the guy turned and went, "You're right, mate. Oh God, he's dead. Oh, and has he? You know what's on him?" And gone mm. through his thing to try and find out who he was, and then found the order from the general and delivered it himself. Holy they could have gone down that route. Shit. Yeah. that would be a fucking ending. It's um, yeah. but it's I. But again, that kind of is back to my point about what if Colonel McKenzie was dead. It's like 
it's like they, they didn't have that ability for someone else to help him carry the message. Yeah. You know, at the end when they're like, "There's no way you're going to make it," they could have bloody passed the letter down or had different. Yeah, given it to a fresh person yeah, who fresh, knew what Colonel McKenzie looked like. Or yeah, whatever. and someone who could run fast and yeah, was yeah. full of beans. You know, <laughs> was, just full of people going, "Nah, mate, you're full of shit. Fuck off." You know what yeah, I mean? It's just well, like yeah. it's like whatever. My, my one's Mark Strong. Like, first of all, for rescuing him after his um, after Blake had died, and sort of getting him back on his feet and like giving him a ride somewhere. But the the crucial part is that he says to him, "When you confront the colonel, make sure other people are there. Some people just really like war, or something like that. Like something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And it's they like, just want the fight. Yeah, they yeah. just want the fight. It's like such crucial information. And sure enough, when Benedict Cumberbatch shows up. You can just see mm. this fucking determinism in him of like, I want to be a war hero. I want to be the guy that directed all these people to go fucking win this battle, blah, 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 all that sort of shit. And the fact that he, like, he didn't ensure that other people were there. He was just felt fortunate that other people were there. So probably those but guys. But actually, I almost disagree about that with Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, I, did, well, I mean, I, not that he didn't want to be the hero, but I think he just really wanted good news. Like, he just wanted to be able to deliver good news and do something that was purposeful and had a had a good outcome because you know when he was yeah. just like i really thought this was going to be a good day mm. and i thought it was just really well delivered and well you know like i really like that because i thought you can see him just desperate they were just all desperate for something good yeah mm. yeah exactly. so it would have been really hard to give up on that hope and go oh well mm. yeah that's all of true. this great plan it was gonna be great we've totally got it yeah. on the ropes nah yeah 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 anywho making a triumphant return to the podcast just like stacy What's question number five, Stacey? <laughs> How would you have incorporated Nicolas Cage into this film? It's your favourite question. You've been wanting to me to do a Cage-a-Palooza episode for ages. Don't put it out there to the listeners because they will make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just bringing this question back so he can be in every film. Stacey's watched two Nick Cage films in the last two weeks, by the way. <laughs> Willie's Wonderland oh, hated it. Pig liked it. Pig, oh, you like Pig? And, yeah. Pig's good. Pig's really good. I decided I'd make him the German fighter pilot. Ah, oh, same. That's my answer too. Really? It was just a good opportunity for him to have like a burst of energy and insanity and whatever and then die. Yeah, just do a major dick move and then bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Did we all say that then? No, I've got to admit that was my front runner until about five seconds ago when this other one passed it. <laughs> Which is, um, you know, when like we're talking about how Schofield confronts that guy, puts his hand over his mouth and tells him to shush, and then the other drunk German guy comes back. Drunk <laughs> right. German, the guy that's throwing up outside the building and then comes back like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he'd be great at that. Yeah. Nicholas Cage would own that. He would yes. absolutely own that. Yeah, he would. Cool. 100%. Question six, what is it, Liz? All right. Um, I specifically requested this question because I think it's pretty key for this film. Um, what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Okay, there's quite a few usual ones of like, would I go to war and what would I do to defend my country and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they're, they're the standard ones. The one I was thinking more specific to this film is whether Schofield and the troops took back Acosta, I think is the name of the French city, and whether they rescued that French woman and her baby. Because as we discussed, he gives a baby, uh, he gives this French woman some milk for the baby, and the milk would have curdled overnight, and that would have been the end of its food supply. So I'm hoping, like how, that the French woman and the baby got rescued. Pretty sad ending otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, mine, um, this film specifically made me think about how broken all these guys were would have been going home you know all the tragedy and stuff that they watched and that made me think about how much our world was shaped by world war one and what would our world look like now had it not happened like 
I just wonder what kind of impact they had on the world, basically, with their all these men. Like, so many men had died, and then the ones that came back were really broken. Just how did that affect society? I don't know the answer, but I'm, yeah. Oh, massively. Like, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. World War I caused another one as well. All the troops came back home with mm. Spanish influenza. Yeah. I mean, my, personally, my great-grandfather was on a boat to Gallipoli when they got turned around and sent to the Somme. And he apparently got shot at the Somme and then came home, didn't talk to anyone for 10 years and died. So, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. They're just all fucked up. Yeah. And they were just boys. And, yeah, I just it just would be – I wonder how it would look, both from, like, the sort of really tangible practical sense, but then also just from that societal, cultural, like, anthropological sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Created World War II as well. Created Hitler. Hitler got to see how shit Germany got treated after World War One and all the everything they had to give up, and that mm, you know, and that gave him the impetus to keep going. Yeah, exactly. You got anything? Okay, so um, there's a couple of scenes in this that made me question, like you say, the um, the mindset of these soldiers, and that is when we see the German fighter pilot crash into the barn, and even though yeah. he's completely stranded on his own, has no one else around him of, of his German soldiers, he still, to the bitter end, tries to kill the enemy. Um, yeah. so, so my question is, is, when do you just give up and go, fuck, this isn't worth it? Or are you so pre-programmed to just kill the enemy? Just kill, 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 yeah. Regardless of what bad situation you're in. And it's interesting, too, that he does that knowing that there's another guy 10 metres away with a gun. Yeah, he knows he's going to die. He knows he he's going to die. Yeah, he takes someone one, out yeah. while he's I think, it. yeah, I think he expected that he would die or he was going to be useless, stuck in a prison of war camp or whatever, mm. and he just mm. went, do you know what, fuck it, at least I can, mm. you know, do one last thing for my country. It's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. We're, whereas we actually saw the opposite thing with Schofield. Like you say, when he encounters some German soldiers, he puts a, the hand over his mouth to shut him up because he really doesn't want to kill him. He's like, look, I'll let you go. Just let me pass. You know, that was my interpretation of it. So he obviously hadn't got to that mental state of just killing at all cost. Yeah, and like even then, like after he kills that guy, after he strangles that guy, yeah. and we're talking about the drunk guy, he doesn't just immediately grab his gun and shoot that guy, which he could have got away with in this like yeah. entire city that's on fire and roaring. Yeah. and that's He doesn't just shoot the other guy yeah. and get like a hasty exit. He just runs past him, tries to shoulder him over and just keeps running. And it's just like, what the fuck? And then other guys mm. start shooting at him. Mm. He's just like, I- yeah. Yeah, I actually wondered if that was if that was because of Blake's influence. Because Schofield says when the German pilot crashes, he says, "Oh, we should put him out of his misery." So yeah. he was inclined to kill. Yeah, him. yeah. And Blake said no. So I wonder if that was meant to be a nod to mm. him trying to respect his, you know, like um, live up to his fallen comrades' ideals. Kind yeah. Of yeah, 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 mm. totally. Cool. Moves us over to question number seven, also a Patreon question, and comes courtesy of our man Nerdrovert. Hey, bro, how you doing? You're the man. His question is, what time during this film is the perfect moment for a bathroom break? And I'm just going to preface this by saying, never. Piss your fucking pants. <laughs> this film deserves it. Oh, no, I had one. I said it was when Schofield was in the river because I felt there was no way he was going to drown. It would have been such a shitty mm. anticlimactic ending. So I was kind of like, yep, okay, he's going to be swept down river for a little bit mm. and it's going to be scary, but mm. it's fine. Mm. Like, he right. will make it out. And then actually that would have been okay if you came back and missed the bit where he had to swim through the bodies because, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, and you wouldn't have, just seeing him, like, slumped by that tree, I would have been absolutely exhausted after that bodies or no. So, like, I felt like that was a bit you could have missed and it wouldn't have 
like spoiled it. My my other deep philosophical debate is what would be worse, swimming through all those bodies or going for a swim down at a local public pool. And I'm still can't work it out. <laughs> I don't know where where the bodies would be dirtier. It's hard to tell. But uh... <laughs> shut up. Yeah, less likely to be uh, to be code Browns mm. in in the in the dead bodies. <laughs> Probably yeah. Um, (laughs) some, on a similar vein to you, Liz, there was something I didn't appreciate seeing and it could have been missed is near the start of the film, Schofield pierces his hand and I thought, oh, that's gory, but I can handle it. And then a couple of scenes later, he then places his hand through the chest of a dead body. So disgusting. (laughs) Puts the injured hand through a chest cavity. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, that's getting infected. He's going to die. He's going to get a fever and die. Gangrene and fucking everything. He just saw a rat come crawling out of. That that was was the worst bit. When the rat comes out of the guy's chest, I was like, oh, no, son, no. Oh, I can't handle this. Like, that was hideous. You've got to admit, this movie does a great job of foreshadowing, eh? You know, like a, yeah. like we see the rat come out, we're like, there's no way he's going to go. And, oh, there he is. Mm-hmm. And like even the German planes, like they, he sees the planes fly over top and then like, mm-hmm. oh, they won't come back again. Mm-hmm. No, a plane almost lands on his fucking head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a testament to the quality of this film that the things that we picked to miss are things that we just didn't want to see because they were gory, not because they were boring parts yeah. to the movie. Yes, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> Anywho, that moves us over to question number eight. What is it there, Stace? What was the biggest dick move of the movie? I mean, the German soldier, right? Come on. The yes. pilot. See, no, I've got a different answer. Because actually, yeah. I felt like for him, he was kind of following, like you said, he was he was following the the way he'd been trained and, and doing what he could for his country. What I thought was a bigger dick move was the moment at the end where it saw seemed like they were all going to ignore Schofield, even though mm. he's telling them he had orders from the general. Like the fact that mm. he had to really fight to get that message through. I was like... You assholes, like all your, um, you know, all you've been trained to do is follow orders and you're going to ignore this guy yelling, I have a message from the general. Like that really pissed me off yeah. that it had to, it took him so much to get that through to them. And uh, my dick move, uh, a follow up dick move to that is they didn't really seem in a hurry to get the message out to the other um, to the <laughs> yeah. second wave. Oh, yeah. They're just like, oh, okay, we'll call it off. But then nobody ran out, you know, yelling yeah. down the uh, trenches. Hey, bro, do you mind? Uh, are you up to anything at the moment? Oh, I was just making yeah. coffee. Oh, bro, after you finish making your coffee, bro, all I need you to yeah. do is just toodle on down there and just like tell that dude, like, just let a few people know. Yeah, just let yeah. a few. Bro, oh, bro, if you're passing the captains, by the way, bro. <laughs> yeah. It did seem like that. It did seem pretty bad. Oh, it's mm. just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, all right. My my Lala dick move was that fucking rat setting off the trip wire in the in the yeah. bunker. It's like that fucking little asshole rat. Why would you do that? He's gonna make <laughs> yeah. it out fine. He doesn't give a shit about these other two. <laughs> Is it didn't, like Tom Blake calls him that right? Like he's like, oh, you little asshole rat, or like you little mm. bastard rat, or something. Yeah, yeah. It's quite funny. And he yeah. even says, "I should have shot him. You should have." Yeah, you should have. Anywho, that moves us over to question number nine. Comes courtesy of our lovely friend, Emily Higgins of the Tasteless Podcast, a podcast that compares two films, one that's universally beloved, that she thinks gets way too much love, compares that to a film that mostly everybody hasn't heard of except for her and sees why the other film's good. She comes up with some very interesting ideas. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it that way. You guys should all go check her out if you very haven't already. Creative. We love her. She's great. Anyway, what's your question, Liz? All right, she would like to know what movie you would pair with this movie to make a double feature. I am going to go with the 2015 film Victoria. It's a German film, so it's the other side. 
It's, it, but it's not it's not a war film, but it is a German film. Stacey goes, ooh, she's actually seen this film. This <laughs> that sounds she's good. watched this fucking that film. Good, Sam. It's about a young Spanish girl who works in a cafe who, after locking up the cafe, she goes down to oh. a local nightclub, meets up with these German guys, gets on the piss with them, and then goes back to an apartment building, and then shit happens. Similar to this film, it's all one shot. The difference being that it is literally one shot. Like they had a cameraman record the entire thing that happens over this one night. And basically they did it three nights in a row and then they used the best take, which happened to be the last night. So there's like some random shit in there. Like at one point you can hear the director in the boot of a car yelling at her, turn right, turn right, turn right, and shit like that. And it's like, like where it goes and what happens in it, it's pretty fucking insane, right? I don't want to spoil anything. It starts off as a bit of a like, oh, is this like a little romantic type of film? It's not. It's totally not. Unfortunately, because it is all one shot, there are moments that sort of sag and the ending goes on for a little bit longer than you'd expect. But at the same time, like it's it's all improvised and I mean, they've got a general outline of what they're doing, but all the dialogue and stuff is improvised and it's pretty fucking intense. Mm, Interesting. You should watch it, Liz. Anyone should watch it. It's really good. If you're sitting there right now going, I hate foreign films because they speak in a different language, I've got to read subtitles. Because it's a Spanish girl and a German guy, their common language is English, so they speak English the entire time. <laughs> convenient. <laughs> Very yes, convenient. Aside from when us. the German guys are talking amongst themselves, but yeah. Mm. I am going to pair this with another war film, because um, that I like. <laughs> war? <laughs> what is it good for? Films? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second World War this time. And uh, Dunkirk. Oh, Which, I know. Yeah, no, Sam, does, a lot of people didn't like this film but I and didn't think that it had a very good personal story, but I thought that it did. So I, it was, yeah, again, I really liked it. But, I always paired them in my head. Like I wasn't sure which one was which when Sam said 1917. <laughs> I was like, is that the one-shot film or is that the other one? Yeah, so fair enough. Mm. Um, this will surprise you again, Sam, that I have not seen Dunkirk. <laughs> it's got Tom Hardy, Hardy in it. I'll watch it immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, also picked a war film, but mine isn't World War Two. Mine is Afghanistan, which is sadly quite timely. Um, mm. I'm going with War Machine. It's another war movie, and it's equally depressing about a, a man making absurd decisions on faulty logic, but at least that one had some laughs. You know, no, like there was some sort of, have you seen it? Oh, that's that Brad Pitt film, eh? Yeah, it is. I did watch it, but I don't remember much of it. Yeah, I don't remember loads of it, but I just remember it being quite absurd and like it just was slightly more lighthearted, even though it is kind of depressing in the end. And the whole idea is that they're just doing the same old, same old and it's yeah. the same sort of message there as well. So, yeah, I felt like there were some good parallels to be made. Good answer, Liz. That moves us down to question number 10. I want Liz to read this out because she loves this question, but oh. I hate you. <laughs> but I'll do it. What was the most preposterously insane leap of logic in this film? I'm saying that the two boys would make it to the Devons at all. I can't believe that that was their <laughs> only way to make it happen. You know, like that Colin Firth mm. went, okay, you two very young boys, I want you to take this insanely convoluted journey across like enemy lines and shit. You've got like, what, 12 hours or less. Mm. Off you go. I'm sure you'll be fine. I will do no other sort of contingency planning or any other solution. We've seen planes fly over. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, surely a plane could fly over and drop a message. <laughs> right? Like, I was just like, surely, oh, no. they hold up like a big sign for a plane to see that says, 
Tell them no attack, general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just ru- realised I've ruined 1917, just like the eagles ruined Lord of the Rings. Where it's like, why didn't they get the eagles to fly over the fucking Mount Doom and drop the ring in it? It's like, it's a good point. Why didn't they get the fucking eagles to do that? I don't know, man. I don't know. But yeah, that just to me, I was just like, I felt like surely they'd be like, okay, you're one of 12 plans we have to make this uh, message go across. But yeah. it wasn't. It was just them. I've got to admit, that was on my list as well of like, why hasn't he sent other people? You know, like, mm. why isn't there other little groups going different directions or whatever? Like, yeah. I get that he says the people who are alone to move fastest or something like that, but at the same time. But then send, on. like, six different pairs. Exactly. You know, like, I just found that weird. Mm. Yeah. What was yours? Okay, so um, we see Schofield. He's running along. He's just left the French town, I think, and he's got renewed enthusiasm. Well, no, he's not. He's being fucking chased by German soldiers with guns. Hey, that would renew your enthusiasm. He's motivated, man, and he's motoring. I must admit, if a whole bunch of German soldiers showed up here with guns, it it would renew my enthusiasm (laughs) in everything. (laughs) You name it, it would renew renew my enthusiasm. Dude, if there were German soldiers standing here and going, Liz, you better fucking mop that kitchen floor. Well, I tell you, it would be sparkling. (laughs) Right now, it is not. Oh, so anyway, so he's running along and then all of a sudden, plop, he jumps over and he's fallen down into the river. Yeah. And he just, he looks as if he knew it was there, like it was going to happen. Yeah, he's got no idea where he's going because he says to the woman, how do I get to the woods? And she goes, take the river. Yeah. Southwest of here. He doesn't even yeah. know if he's running southwest. Yeah. So it's not really yeah. the most insane leap of logic for the film, but it is an insane leap for Schofield. It's a massive insane leap. That's right. It is yeah. an insane leap. Literal insane leap. Yeah. Luckily for you, my one actually follows on from that. As, as much as that's insane, I, I found it insane that he washes up right where that troop is. You know, yeah. for the purposes oh, yeah. of this film, we couldn't have him wash True. up 15 minutes away and just show him walking for 15 minutes yeah. trying to find the fucking battle. But the fact that he comes climbing out of that thing, walks up through the trees, is like, oh, here we are. Sweet. And then sits down. <laughs> Might as well have a little rest. Anywho, personal um, questions. Yeah. On to you, Liz. All right. Uh, my first question is, where did that random soldier get a dog from? Oh, the same place everyone gets a dog. They get it from, like, a breeder. Okay. Uh, three years into the war in France? Yeah, so, okay, okay. so a mummy dog and a daddy dog, when oh, they love each other, <laughs> make little baby dogs, and that's where that dog came from. Okay, where did the mummy and the daddy dog come from, Sam? <laughs> well, I know where the daddy dog came from. Yeah, okay, okay, Sam. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Stacey, do you have a better answer? We are not Machu, so you don't, this is not working. <laughs> yeah, I love how he like, thinks we're going to laugh, and we're just like, you're really dumb. I'm just Sam. having someone out there and they're fucking listening to this is like, good, good one, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, he got it from the village. Haven't they just, like, the French village, you know, everyone's fled oh, or yeah. been whatever. And there would be random stray people's pets running around lost. Oh, that's true. So amongst... maybe he like totally saved this dog. Yeah. This dog was running away from all the awfulness. And he yeah. was like, hey, you're a nice looking little doggy. Exactly. I actually think he's the, um, he's the offspring of that dog that we see where Blake dies. You know, when they show up at that little, you know, like farm. <laughs> and there's that dead dog line there. I reckon that's that dog's offspring. And he's just done a runner. Uh. He's watched straight across. Watched his and dad like, get oh, murdered. We can't shoot the. He went just straight across the front lines and in no man, no man's land and stuff. Exactly. And yeah. Everyone's like, oh, we're not going to shoot the dog. That's yeah. a bit mean. He's like, see, exactly. He's seen the Germans kill his dad, and he's like, I'm fucking out of here and joining the opposition. I'm fucking <laughs> French resistance dog. dog. That's me. <laughs> Sweet. That's a cool dog. <laughs> um, I would now like to ask what was 
what you thought was the absolute worst moment for Schofield out of all of the horrible things that he went through. Well, talking about running in front of things, like we've talked about everything else and a lot of those other ones would probably be my first. But I'm going to go with the moment where he gets up out of the trench and runs three, four hundred yards or whatever through hails of German gunfire and oh, artillery God, yeah. and everything like that. Um, people that were watching this, a couple of the extras bumped into him when it happened. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was actually just like they had one chance at shooting this right. They had a couple of people bump into him and he gets up and keeps running. Hence why the camera actually gets a little bit further away from him than it should be because it was already on a track to like track at the same pace and he was going to run at the same pace. And so he tries to desperately catch up. But like, fuck that. Okay. There's a part of me that thinks if I jumped up and run sideways along the front of a trench and, you know, it was doing that, that there'd probably be someone on the other side going, okay, that guy needs to fucking die. He's not doing it right. You know what I mean? You draw gunfire. Mm. Well, you'd be like, why is he doing that? There's obviously something important happening there. Like, yes. he's obviously needing to deliver an important message. Yeah, I feel like that would have been really terrifying because you know that that is an act of war zone. Whereas when they went over the first time, at least they'd been told that there were no mm. Germans. I'd still you be shitting my pants, feel like this, Oh, 100%. Like, the bravery of having to put your head over and climb over the first time. I would have been crawling the whole way. Like, it would have yeah. been terrifying. Mm. Yeah. My thoughts are, aside from putting his hand in the chest of a dead soldier, oh. it's got to be watching his friend die. They're on a mission together yeah. and he knows he's going to die and he's there with him. Just how incredibly impacting would that be on you? Yeah, fuck that. Mm. I also think it was the dead bodies swimming through the dead bodies because <laughs> like, that's what breaks him, right? That's the bit where he's just like, oh, God, and he just has to... <laughs> He's just like, okay, I'm done. He's like, oh, God. It's just all of the rest. Oh, Gilly Gold. This has broken me. Like, oh. Anyway, um, finally, what Oscars should this film have won that it didn't? Or what did it win that it shouldn't have? And I have an opinion on this, and I will give it after you guys. Uh, it lost for best production design, and I've got no idea what? how that happened. That's insane. Who won wow. it instead? I'm trying to look it up. Oh. It lost to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And look, I get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was awesome in terms of one great scene of Brad Pitt driving around and all looks Hollywoody, but holy fucking shit, man. Mm. Like this film yeah. had like an entire set made for yeah. the film to be shot. And we went through everything of like all these different terrains and towns, fires, lakes, trenches, trenches, rivers, impressive. fucking everything. It's just, yeah, phenomenal. Should have oh, won yeah, for that. Oh yeah, 100%. What about you, Well, Sarah? I didn't research into what it did or didn't win. But <laughs> it should have won something for cinematography. It did. It did. Oh, phew. <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad about that. <laughs> okay, why don't you tell us your f- trivia, Liz? <laughs> well, this was when I thought it could have been done all at once because I wasn't sure because, I, like I said, I didn't see any transitions and I thought they must have shot quite a lot of it in, like, really long chunks. I just am amazed that the – that Schofield, the actor that played Schofield, didn't even get a nod. He didn't get a nomination for Best Actor. I mean, he really portrayed, you know, the sense of devastation and, and just kept his, you know, kept the right face on the whole time. And, mm. yeah, I just, I was surprised he didn't even get a nomination. Yeah. I thought he was incredible. But especially because he was relative, like, had he done much other acting? No, not much. He, he's sort of been a bit role or, you know, character actor in a few other things. And it's one of these things that, like, you watch him in this and then you're surprised you haven't seen him in everything since then. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was fantastic. And, like, to be in that such a huge movie, like this, 
obviously must have had a huge budget. It had these A-list cameos. Like, I just thought that was, he was fantastic. Yeah, $95 million, I think, was the budget on this. Yeah. So, I mean, how freaky to, like, be the the main character for a $95 million movie that has Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Yeah. And, you know, having to mm. portray all this hard-out emotion and do these action scenes. Yeah, physical. And, yeah, and for him not even to get a nomination, I think that was a real shame. Yeah, mm. bollocks. Yeah, especially considering the that this movie really rested on the personal side of yeah. the story. Yeah. Like, like if journey. he sucked, this movie mm. would have sucked. Mm. If you replace him with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Either the best or worst film ever it's made. Totally I can't, I can't tell. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, yeah, on to me. We've discussed this a little bit, but, but would you guys have helped that German fighter pilot? No way. Put him out of his misery. Put him out of your misery. <laughs> I don't know if I could have done that. But maybe if I, I was in war. You co- you totally could have. You've got the eyes of a kid. I would have. I th- I think it's human nature. Like, you'd just see him. You'd see that he was going to burn to death in that plane. And burning to death is, like, my worst fear. Mm, so yeah. I would have just seen that and like, oh, that poor human. I can't have him burn to death. And so I would have dragged him out of the plane. I would have absolutely been killed by the German fighter pilot. I've been exactly the same as Blake. I'm too trusting as well. It would have been interesting to see what happened if Schofield hadn't walked away because he was stabbed when it was just one on one. It was mm. like when it was two on one, the German guy was like, oh, nah. But Panics, then as yeah. soon as he saw yeah. a window, um, he, he took, took it. it. Yeah, and it was crazy that, you know, he was walking away to get him water and the other guy was sitting yeah. there trying to help him. Like, yeah, yeah just mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, fuck that guy. I would have shot him the first chance I got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm well, the better for the hindsight. Yeah, I'm all about self-preservation. I think I've watched too many horror films and shit like that to, you know, not yeah. not try and do something, not time up at least. But anyway, my next question, what's the most memorable time you guys have been at work and gone, really, what the hell am I doing? Because I feel like these guys had quite a few of those moments of like, what are, what the hell are we actually doing right now? I feel like mine is pretty pathetic compared to theirs. Um, <laughs> anything is. Mm. Anything <laughs> So, yeah, I wanted to preface it with that, but I'm going with working record-breaking hours at McDonald's in the kitchen when I was in Dunedin. Like, you'd be, everyone was just shouting, like, there's grease everywhere, you're burning your fingers on the grill, you're desperately trying to cook enough and you can't keep up, and it's just exhausting. Um, And I'd just be sitting there going, why am I doing this? Like, is this really worth the $8.80 an hour that I was being paid? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Spoiler alert, no. <laughs> <laughs> My one was scrubbing out a the underside of a conveyor belt at a blueberry orchard. They had a like a conveyor belt that just transported all those berries from the washing area to the frozen area. And they got Dang. me to get in under there and just scrape away all these dead berries that had just been accumulating over the space of three months. And there was like dead rats and shit in there, dead birds. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was absolutely disgusting. What about you, Stacey? Have you got anything? Yeah, I do actually. Liz, you just reminded me talking about university jobs. I again, this is not uh, traumatic um, compared to what. These oh guys no, were no nothing we say is <laughs> none of these are. But um, for me, a person who likes to, when I'm working, I like to actively, proactively be doing stuff to feel like I am actually working. My holiday job at uni was a swimming pool lifeguard. And when you're a swimming pool lifeguard, you are actively doing nothing. And that is your job. You are standing there on the side of the pool, watching the pool. Yeah, okay, you're watching the pool, making sure no one's getting into strife and all that jazz. 
but you literally do nothing for the entire shift. Oh, that would be it's so hard. Painful. Because <laughs> you can't read a book or like plan your phone. No, you can't even no. like physically do anything. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Yeah. It's, it's one of those jobs that, like, if you're doing it really well, you're doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If everything's going great, you're not, yeah. you don't have to, anything to do. Yeah. I never Fair had enough. to rescue anyone. No one ever. I've got always thought that, like, God. security guards and lifeguards and stuff. I just mm. think, no, mm. thank you. Yeah. Cool. Okay, final question. Liz didn't want to do this film. Listeners, she, uh, after New Zealand no. got announced that we're going into another lockdown, Liz basically says, I don't really want to watch anything that's depressing as fuck, and she sort of suspected it would be. But I want to know from you guys, do you guys consider this film to be depressing AF? Yes, it is so oh. depressing. Sorry, but World War One was such an exercise in futility. Like, three years, they sat there fighting over a tiny piece of land. They were just boys. They weren't men. And they just fucked them all up, like I said before. Like, yeah, I just, the whole, even if, you know, the end is positive and stuff, the whole thing is just this depressing, futile waste of human life. I just. If you want the rainbow, you've got to put up with the rain, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm happy without the rainbow. Like, don't have the war. I don't know. I just, I've never, that's why I don't watch war movies. I just, it Mm. gets me thinking about how many Mm. lives are just wasted. And it just, it's so sad. Yeah. If, if you yeah. put the war content to one side, this film <laughs> is uplifting. He's a picture he, of a tree. He, he achieves <laughs> his goal. Like the main character has a goal at the start and he triumphs over adversity on his way. And yeah, it, it kind of shows you that A, people can survive this. And B, people are just trying to do their best in this very bad situation. Yeah. I, I agree. So there you go. Days. I'm half empty. Stacey's <laughs> half full. Yeah, and I'm full, full. I I, I find this <laughs> definitely full of something. Um, but yeah, I just I find this uplifting. I find it like the triumph of humanity. As I said, I get invested, and then by the end, I'm like, yay. But yeah, anyway, let's move us over to Stacey. What do you got? What do you got, Stace? Okay, so um, Sam's already mentioned the one shot perspective of this film one continuous shot what was the most impressive use of this device but uh, there probably were better moments but the one that sort of stuck with me i just really like how it made you feel like more time had passed like to start with i was kind of like okay so we know that this movie is only going to be two hours of actual like lifetime well it, a mm. bit more because he you know blacked mm. out but actually, it made you feel like there would have been hours. Like when he was in the truck with the squaddies, like it felt like he'd been in the truck for like half an hour, even though mm. he'd only been in there for a couple of minutes. I, and yeah. It was just the way that it happened. I just felt like it seemed to elongate the movie so much more than it was. I thought that was really mm. impressive. Yeah, it really did warp your sense of time. You yeah. know, because if you think about it, yeah, an hour he went from trenches to a town. It's like, yeah. how the hell did that happen? Especially with everything that happened in between. But anyway, yeah, the one for me is that they approach this crater and they've already been warned, don't go into the craters because, you know, you might not be able to get out of them. But this one's so massive that they go down into this crater and we get a shot of the crater as it as they're approaching and there's nothing around the outside of it. But then these two guys go down and then the camera banks over the top of the crater and then comes down and then skims the surface of the water of the crater and then comes out and follows them up the other side. And I'm just mm. sitting there going, how the hell did they do that? Did they have mm. the camera attached to a crane, which then ran around the outside of the crater? But usually if they had that, they would have had a track set up so that it could do that. And then I was mm. thinking, is it a drone? Have they used a drone in this situation? Have they used somebody jumped into the water or, you know, craned it around the outside and then somebody's grabbed it from the other end 
all in one smooth transition and then follow them up this side of the crater. It's unbelievable. I, I messaged some of our good friends. We watched the thing um, who have both worked as cameramen and said, how do they do that? And they came back and said, oh, fuck knows. <laughs> yeah, um, like it, impressive, impressive yeah. all round. Absolutely. What's yeah. the next question, Sace? At what point would you have bailed? Without getting too much into personal stories, I've had a situation recently where everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and I kept quite a calm, cool head about it and got out through the other side. So I basically have a great ability of being stressed before something happens and then being calm during it and then afterwards going, what the fuck, 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 what the fuck was that? (laughs) And freaking out. But so I was like, I don't think I would have bailed, but I totally would have bailed on life the second I get crumpled inside a bunker and there's dust and shit going everywhere. And then they're saying, jump, you have to jump over this way. I've got a broken toe. I've got asthma. I would either die from an <laughs> asthma attack or I'd fall down that mine well or whatever. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. be, I'd exit life. I'd bail from life. I'd be out. Yeah. See you. Bye. Good luck, Blake. <laughs> yeah, my answer is similar because I would have been the one killed by the German pilot because I would have done yeah. exactly the same thing that Blake did. But if I didn't, um, I would have just kept it going too because what other option do you have? You know, mm. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I gave mm. up and 1,600 men died. Mm. I just, I feel like that would have just you would have just kept going till you either got there or you died. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so my final question is: What British A-lister was the most impressive cameo? I'm saying um, Benedict Cumberbatch because by that time you'd forgotten about Colin Firth, and so it was a mm. real surprise to see a face you knew again. Mm. Mm. Well, they had Mark Strong as well, but I suppose Mark Strong isn't nearly as high level as Benedict Cumberbatch or Colin Firth. I suppose, you're like those two are, you know. Eight, yeah, eight no, yeah, for me, I like, I, I kind of, I guess, I recognise this face, but not as much as you, yeah. you know him as well. The one yeah. for me was Richard Madden. He shows up and goes through this like roller coaster of emotion of like, "Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Oh, yeah, I knew your brother. Oh, what do you mean you sort of thing?" And then just like, he's like, "Oh, he's here. Oh, he's not. He's not. Like, yeah." And you know, um, you know, he was brave till the end, all this other shit. And the way Richard Madden just does the typical British like stiff upper lip. You'll be fine. And like you can see his just like face mm. locked in this frozen expression and then tears just start forming on his eyes and rolling down. Mm. Like to just like, walk in and without having a take, without having edits, without, you know, changing perspectives mm. and seeing his, you know, point mm. of view on that sort of shit, just to like one focus on him and deliver that was fucking amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You could just see all the emotions crossing his face and then mm. he's just like, uh, well, get yourself to the mess and get yourself cleaned up you know like and he just flicks into soldier mode yeah, yeah flicks into yeah. soldier mode especially after he's just gone to him is it okay if i write to your mother and he's like yeah yeah, yeah that'd be good yeah, yeah unreal but anyway mm. that takes us to the end that it takes does. us to our final question it does and our final question comes courtesy of our man julio of the contrarians podcast the reason why i'm finishing on julio is julio and his partner alex partner podcasting partner i better disclaim that him and his podcasting partner alex are going to be appearing on the show very soon. They're coming on to chat with me about the M. Night Shyamalan film, The Village, which I haven't watched in a long time, but very Ah, oh, yeah. That was a interesting film. film. Yeah, interesting yeah. film. Anyway, Julia's got a couple of questions now, and the one we're going to roll with is this one, which is, if the main leads were gender-reversed in this film, what would it look like? So basically a pair of women get tasked with this mission and go on an adventure, and we can freeball on this. We can basically... You would have to change the entire cast to female. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't just change the leads. Like, the whole situation would have to be gender reversed. I literally thought of this because, like, 1917, right, right in the middle of World War Mm. I, you didn't have women on the front line as soldiers. Mm. So unless the mission was, we've got a pair of nurses 
that have to get this yeah. special medicine a, right. to, to a general because he's dying from dysentery or syphilis or I don't know, fucking one of those diseases that people use, polio or something. <laughs> They've got to get this medicine across the battleground to the other person to heal this guy. You wouldn't see it. Unless we have an alternate history where women do fight on the front lines and that's them in the trenches, them fighting. So I think, I think it could have been a nursing camp, you know, like a, saving the people on the front line. And they would have got the truth from um, the truth of the attack from a pair of like gossiping captured German soldiers, like who were talking in German. And then maybe one of the nurses spoke German, understood it. And then they were like, shit, there's no men here. You know, they're they're only Mm. broken. So then those nurses had to take the message. That's the only way you could do it. So then that transitioned over to who are we going to have in this film? I was thinking because of Game of Thrones, I was thinking Sophie Turner, because we're going to need young British actors, actresses, right? So Sophie Turner, I'm look. Why aren't you smiling? I've put a ginger in the film. Come on, man! Oh, Come on, ginger princess. <laughs> and Maisie, Maisie Williams. Yeah, or Maisie Game Williams. Of Thrones casting again. Yeah. yeah, or those two. Yeah. I want Florence Pugh though. I'd like oh, her as Schofield. Yes. You want her in every movie. I do. Um, the 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 woman that Kit Harrington married. Oh, the ginger. Another ginger. There we go. Sophie <laughs> yeah, yeah, Turner from Game of Thrones. Egret from Game of Thrones. What's yeah. her name? Leslie Thrones, yeah. something. Um, Don't know. Can't remember. Top quality podcasting. Rose Leslie. Rose Leslie. There we go. Yes, Rose Leslie. Get her in there. Yeah. So Rose Leslie and Sophie Turner. So a pair of gingers. <laughs> this is your treat yes! movie, Stacey. <laughs> Stacey's contributed Amazing. nothing but her hair colour to this. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, punch him for me. Yeah. Right, is that us? That's us. That's it. Nothing else we want to add to that story. You don't want to chuck in a couple of like high-level British actresses as like the cameos? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you'll have like... Not Maggie Smith. She's probably a bit too old now. Dame Judy, Judy Dench. Dench. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Judy Dench. Judy Dench is uh, Colin Firth. Oh, Imelda Staunton. I'd have Imelda Colonel. Staunton as the the Colonel, the one at the end, because she plays Umbridge in like the Harry Potter movies, and she I reckon she'd do the real good. Like, oh well, thank you for your message, but we have things in hand. No, come on, you'd have Tilda Swinton, wouldn't you? She's such a bitch. She'd be the general. Yeah, she'd be the general. Who'd be the Mark yeah. Strong? Who'd be the like the lovable, nice one? Helen Mirren? Yeah. Um, Waters. Um, what's her name? Oh, Julie Waters. Julie Waters. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That would work. Yeah, nice. Good work. Anyway, that takes us to the end. Thank you to these two for joining me on discussing one of my favourite films from the last couple of years. It's been great. Had fun, yeah. guys? Yeah, I have had fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a depressing film, so that's why I was like, this is going to be a depressing conversation. But actually, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I feel like we've been humorous but respectable. Respectful. Respectful. We've been something. We've been definitely been something. For sure. Anyway, thanks again to everyone that's listened. We love it. Love that you guys are tuned in to check us out. Thank you so much for that. Also, massive thanks to our Patreons for uh, keeping the lights on. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Upcoming episodes. What's some ones to get excited about? Well, we've gone into lockdown, so all of our plans to sit around with Machu and Kahu and do falling down or do men in black have gone out the window or to actually go to the movies or to go to the movies has gone out mm-hmm. the window so who knows i we're guess gonna... it's zach efron after all no oh, fuck that no we're not going to get that desperate <laughs> it's the yet. only resort now no other options no <laughs> no saint trinians no other options uh, uh, i'm gonna throw damn. myself off a bridge before that happens uh just like schofield Anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook at Move Reviews and 20Qs, or you can find us on Twitter at Move Reviews In, or send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. 
Links are all down in the show notes. Alternatively, if you want to become a Patreon, get some bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes bullshit that we leave out, you can find us in the link to Patreon down below as well. Anywho, that's thanks from me. Thanks from me. Bye.